hoarder? Are you a hoarder? What sort of person are you? Hands up if you're a hoarder. Hands up if you're a... Let's throw things out. You know, I am so sentimental, I am. I'll keep hold of anything, you know. An old piece of paper. Oh, it reminds me of that day when I went walking down the street and I saw something, did something. And um, my wife is very much a clean slate. If you come round our house and notice in any way it's tidy, give me no credit. I deserve none. She tidies everything. She's so good. And um, a few weeks ago, she, um, she, she didn't let me see the things, but she decided to clean, to get rid of some stuff. Wanted to, wanted to raise a few, a few pounds, so she decided to have, go to a boot sale and do a boot sale. Gary and Sarah, you do this quite a lot, don't you? Boot sales, yeah? Getting rid of some of our stuff. She wouldn't let me look at the stuff because I was like, that's too valid. You can't get rid of that. I'm terrible. And uh, the children and Helen were going to go on the other, bank holiday Monday. And, uh, you know, that they were going to do this boot sale. I was left at home because I wasn't allowed to go. Cause I'd, cause, do you know what Helen's reason was? Because I would buy more than we sell. Those Reader's Digest books about exploration of the islands of the Pacific. I really must have those books. That's, you know, the sort of... Lots of you people are like that, aren't you? You understand where I'm coming from. Who said no? And, um... Well, my chair, it had been raining all day the day before, pretty much. Overcast, terrible. It's kind of linking with Reg, really. And, and the children said, well, let's ray, pray it doesn't rain tomorrow. And I was like, fat chance. You know, in my, in my own mind. Um, but in my, in my mind, it was a bit like that. But in my spirit, it was a bit like, but God, but God couldn't do anything. Well, lo and behold, it didn't rain. It was overcast. And where they were at, at, at uh, Peasmarsh, it was good. You know, it wasn't good weather. It was overcast, but it didn't rain. First answer to prayer. Samuel had been saving up for uh, an iPod touch. Woo, you know. Yeah, you know those things? Very, very good gadget. He'd been saving up for, what, six months, was it, Helen? A long time. It cost a lot of money. He'd been saving up for it. And he'd prayed that he would raise enough money to get this iPod Touch. And he got enough money for the iPod Touch. He prayed that it would be in stock in Argos. It was in stock in Argos. He prayed he'd better get there before closing time. He got there before closing time. He bought the iPod Touch. I came home, there he was with his iPod Touch. Apparently he said to Helen, at the end of the day, I don't think I can ask God for any more miracles. <laughs> that was so touching. And it just reflects something of Reg, really. That God is, a, you know, God is so good. He's a father. He responds to our prayers. He's kindly. You know, he's kindly. He's a good God. And you can pray. And obviously the prayer meeting tonight is a great opportunity to pray, but praying our lives. We're going to be looking at a famous prayer this morning. A famous prayer in Colossians chapter 1. And uh, I'm just going to touch a few things first before we look at the the text. The book of Colossians. We're deciding to go through this book. We prayed about it. There's a few options. And we felt Colossians would be a good book to go through. It's a letter. A lot of the New Testament is letters written to churches. And um, this letter was written to a place called Colossae. And um, there were, it, it was doing well, but there were a few issues, a few problems, hence the letter. 
We decided to call this series, Live the Li- Your Life. Live your life, okay? You have a life? Do you have a life? Yeah? You're here this morning? You have a life, right? You're, you're, you're breathing, you're, uh, you're living, you're thinking, you're conscious. You have a life. And what we really want to urge, and our, us as pastors, our desire for you, is to have a great life. You ever say, oh, I'm not sure that's right. No, God wants you to have a great life. Okay? The best life. God doesn't want to, doesn't invite you into a relationship with him so you can be miserable. He invites you into a relationship with him so you can really enjoy life. Yeah, thanks Paul. Really enjoy life to the full. And that is such a promise you need to receive because so often sin, which is going against God's will, is presented as that's where the party is, right? That's where the fun is. But actually, it leads to a lot of hurt, a lot of pain, a lot of misery, addictions, okay? Self-worth issues, lots of problems. But living for God, living your life for God, will lead you to, to joy, true joy, and eternal joy, eternal life with him. So we've called it Live Your Life. God has given you a life. God wants you to live your life to the full, to enjoy your life, to make the best of the life he has given you. Because remember, all of you here, whether or not you're a Christian, if you're a Christian or not, you're created by God. You're not an accident. Even if, you're not, even if you don't believe in God, you're not an accident. And later on, we're going to see, even if you don't believe in God, he He's sustaining you and holding you together. He holds the whole universe together. Even if you don't know him. Even if you curse him. Even if you hate him. Even if you're in rebellion to him. Even if you're like, I'm not, I'm not interested in God. I'm not sure you'll be here this morning, but you might be. He, he loves you and wants you to know him. He wants you to live your life. Fullness is found in Jesus. Fullness of life is found in Jesus. Lots of promises elsewhere, but true life is found in Jesus. The person of Jesus. That's where fullness is found. False teachers were coming to Colossae, and they were trying to add to Jesus. They were saying things like, Oh, if you worship angels, other, other spiritual beings, as well as Jesus... They were saying things like, well, Jesus, well, well, he's not really God, is he? And Colossians says, no, Jesus is God. He's the God. Knowing him leads to fullness of life. They were trying to distort and lead Christians astray. Lots of religions in this world, are, have you noticed, all have a reference, many of them, a reference to Jesus. Most of them, many of them have a reference to Jesus. If you're in Islam... Jesus is counted as a prophet. Just a prophet, may I say. Just a prophet. Amongst others. Okay, a distortion of the truth. If you're a Hindu, then you have Jesus as just a prophet. Amongst many, many, many. And, there's a, and, and the Colossians, Jesus was writing... Sorry, teachers. Paul was writing this letter to help the Colossians from being led astray from Jesus, the Saviour, the Healer, 
The one who gives you fullness of life. Don't worship angels. Don't worship other things. And that's what the book of Colossians is about. So live your life with Jesus at the centre and you'll have a great one. That's the promise. Last week, Paul spoke from verses 1 to 8. I'm not going to read them again. But basically, Paul is, is looking at the Colossians and saying, man, Jesus has changed your life. And he's saying that the gospel, remember, really no, works, his first point. And his second point was, the gospel really works. Second point. Now, I just want to clarify, because I could go on for the rest of the morning talking about the gospel, and some of you might be scratching your head saying, well, he's talking about the gospel, but I don't understand what the gospel means. You need a definition of the gospel. Okay, there's lots of ways you could, could present it, and it's like this. I'm going to put it simply like this. We have all sinned. And what's a sin? It's to do, do things which are against God's will. Principally, I would say, sin is not having God at the centre of your life. Right at the centre. Imagine your heart is pumping, isn't it? Right now. Your heart is pumping right now. If your heart gets damaged, you are damaged. Okay, if your heart stops pumping, consciousness, life passes. Okay, it's a bit like that. Jesus at your heart. Jesus at your heart. And to sin is not to have Jesus at your heart. Okay, not to have, so, so we've all sinned. We've, we've failed to have Jesus at our heart. But God still loves us. He wants, he wants us to know him. He wants us to, to come into relationship with him. So, God in, the, in human form, in Jesus, comes to the earth, dies on the cross, and in so doing, he takes the punishment for our sin upon himself. Okay? Taking the rap, you might hear it sometimes, okay? He, he gets in trouble for the things you've done wrong. He receives the punishment that we deserve. Now, that's, that's really gracious, isn't it? That's really a really kind thing to do. So, we've sinned, Jesus dies in our place. Through faith in him alone, through faith. He died for me, he died for me, yeah, he, he, he loved me, he died on the cross for me. Through faith alone, faith alone, you, therefore, have a restored relationship with God and get to live with him forever. That is good news. And the word gospel means good news. So when this message comes that you have sinned, Jesus has died, when you respond to him and say, yes, I believe that, it changes you. It's wonderful. The gospel works. It really works, okay? And today I want to talk about growth. I want to talk from verses 9 to 14. I want to talk about the fact that having, having had this initial growth, in other words, imagine a sapling is just growing, okay? A little, little tiny tree, a little baby tree, a sapling's just come up. Now, Paul's looking at that and saying, Matt, I can see your love and your faith in Jesus, you're beginning to grow because of the gospel. But now I want to pray for you that you would mature. That you, there's a big difference, isn't there, between the sapling and the mighty oak, isn't there? Just the years and the maturity and the ability to stand the winds and the ability to bear fruit also as you grow. And that's what Paul is now praying. So let's get to the text and read it together. It should come up behind me. Although if you have your Bibles, you might want to keep it in front of you. I find it helpful to have the text in front of me so I can keep looking at it because I'm going to be sticking very closely to this and explaining what this Bible verse 
mean. So I'm going to read to you from verses 9 to 14. So for this reason, just okay, for this reason, so in other words, having said what I've just said, that I've noticed, they're excited this morning, aren't they? Having noticed that you have changed, the gospel has changed you, I'm now going to pray for you. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Okay? So he wants you to know God's will. That's what he's praying. Know God's will. And we pray this... In order that. So, the knowledge you have of God's will needs to lead to this. And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord. So it's not just knowing, it's doing. Knowing God's will, doing God's will. Live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way, bearing fruit, growing in the knowledge of God. But also, notice this, being strengthened with all power. In other words, he doesn't leave you alone to work it out yourself. He wants to give you the power of the Holy Spirit. He wants to come alongside you. He wants to support you. Being strengthened with all power. According to his glorious might, so that, so that you may have great endurance. Great endurance. And patience. The ability to keep going. The ability to keep going patiently and joyfully, giving thanks to the Father. Notice the term Father. He's our Father. God is Father. Who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. Now, what that inheritance in particular, he's talking about the eternal life and the new creation that you're going to enjoy forever, those who have faith in Jesus. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and has brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Remember I said earlier about Jesus dying? That says there, redemption, to be redeemed. He's paid a ransom to save you, redeemed you, and the forgiveness of sins. Now, I've knocked my water over. So that's our text. And my first point is this. You have grown. If you're a Christian, particularly talking to Christians, you have grown. Paul is confident to pray for the Colossians. He says, for this reason. The reason why he's confident to pray for them is because he's seeing some fruit. And you remember what Paul said? The fruit was faith in Jesus and love for the saints. And those two things are wonderful fruits. And when you become a Christian, one of the marks that you are a Christian is faith in Jesus. Faith in Jesus. Massive one there. Not just being good, being kind, all those kinds of things that so often people think Christians are about. Faith in Jesus and love for the saints. Notice it's also love for the saints. Not just love for the world, but devotion, love for the church. Love for the church. Love for his people in particular. I'm not saying you don't love the world. Of course we love the world. But the church is your family. 
And I'm not, I'm not just talking about King's Church Hastings, the local church. I'm talking about the worldwide family of churches as well. All churches, all those who know Jesus are your brothers and sisters. And love for them is one of the fruits that you're a Christian. So if you say, I don't believe in Jesus, I don't believe he died for me, and I don't really go to church, I'm not really interested, I would question whether or not you're a Christian. Okay? Because one of the fruits of being a Christian is that you have faith in Jesus, essential fruit, isn't it? And love for the church. So you have grown. Think about yourself. Think about how you have changed. Sometimes you can miss it. Think about how you have changed. Think about the way Jesus has changed your life. Now, you may be a sapling, you may be small, you may be thinking, well, I'm not doing that well, but, I, but you have changed. And that is wonderful news. I know many of you. I have the privilege of leading Alpha courses. I see change in you. It's, it's wonderful to see. But, as I'm going to say in a minute, he wants you to grow. He wants you to grow and grow and grow. But you have changed. And fruit... Let me just read you something from Thessalonians, one of the other books of, one of the other books of Paul. We know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you. How does he know that they've been chosen? Because our gospel came to you, not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit, with deep conviction, and they became imitators of God and Paul. Do you see? When God, when God is at work in you, there is evidence of transformation. Do you get that? When God is at work in you, there is evidence through transformation. There is always transformation. And you, if you're a Christian, will know transformation. Now, don't get me wrong, maybe you're struggling at the moment, maybe your relationship with God isn't quite what it should be. But you know you have been changed. It's thank God for those things. He has chosen you. Gospel bears fruit in many, many ways. These are the sorts of changes that the Colossian, the book of Colossians talks about. We're going to talk about these things in depth as we go through the series. I'm going to bring, it, bring out a, a few now. So some of the fruits of the gospel, right? Your attitude and behaviour in marriage changes. Parenthood changes the way you parent. Relationships between children and parents changes. The attitude, your attitude to work as an employee and as an employer changes. And you may be thinking, you're sitting there, yeah, I've changed. These things will have been affected by the gospel. Your attitude to food and drink will have changed. And I would put in there as well, drug use in our day would have been affected by the gospel. Your attitude to sex and purity would have changed. The way you deal with anger and your use of language will have changed. Truthfulness, telling the truth, compassion, patience with people who hurt you, forgiveness over and over all these things, your attitude to Jesus will have changed massively as your Lord and Saviour. Do you see? The gospel bears fruit in every aspect of life. And Jesus, this morning, may be touching particular aspects of your life. I believe the Spirit of God would want to highlight to you particular aspects that he wants to just deal with. Your Father wants to touch them. He wants you to grow in them. But if you are a Christian, there will have been transformation already in your life. 
And these changes, please, and I say it to myself, as, as one of the leaders of the church, please, let's give thanks for these changes in other people's lives. You may, think, you may be thinking, I wish they would change more. You may be praying and just say, I wish I would change more. But let's give thanks for the evidences of God's grace. All right? Just think about any shoots we see in people's lives, let's give thanks. Because there is so much negativity, isn't there, in the media and the way we conduct this, this culture that we're in. Everything is, you know, every mistake is picked up on. Every mistake, every negative thing is picked up on. And we so want to be a church that we do deal with negatives. Of course we do. We, can, we talk to each other about issues of, of sin and compromise and, and, and so on. But let's be thankful to God and encourage each other of the good things we're seeing in other people's lives. Because you've changed. And that is a wonderful thing. And we need to thank God for those things, as Paul does. So you have changed. My second point is God wants you to grow. Having seen growth, this shoots, God wants us to grow. It's God's will for us and for you to develop. He will back you up by his great strength as you seek to grow. God wants you mature and fully grown. Individually, but as a church. As a church. As each member plays its part, 
as each person uses their gifts sacrificially serving the community of God and through the community of God also reaching the town, blessing the town, God wants us fully grown. Let's have a look at Colossians, just the verses I've just read and some others, to see, just to catch Paul's heart for growth. He says this in verse 9. We've just read through them. I'm asking God to fill you with knowledge of his will. Right? Fill you. That's, a, that's, a, that's, an, that's an issue of development, isn't it? To be filled with the knowledge of God. He wants you, Paul is praying that they would live a life worthy. Okay, growing. And please him in every way. What, what, what 24-7? 365 days? Uh, a year? Every way. I still remember that, um, that, that, that story where somebody said, it's not true, it's, it's making the point. Oh, they were going to get married and um, they said, the, the um, wife said to the, the, the um, p- potential husband, whatever you call that particular name, um, fiancé, that's the word, that's French, isn't it, I think. Um, I will be faithful to you 364 days a year. You ain't going to get married, are you? You want 365 days, don't you? Should God want anything less? He wants 365 days. Remember, though, in his desire for your 365 days, it's for your good also. Okay, it's for your good. Bearing fruit in every good work, verse 10. So that's growth, yeah? Bearing fruit. Growing in the knowledge of God. Strengthened with all power. In Colossians 1, 28, we're going to talk about this probably next week. He says this, we proclaim him, Jesus. Just, just, just pick up on his pride in Jesus. So often churches and our ministry can miss Jesus and the message of the gospel. Look at him, we proclaim him. Isn't that wonderful? That's what we're about. We proclaim him. Admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone perfect in Christ. That word perfect, teleos, is to do with being complete, to be mature. That's what Paul wants for the people he serves. That's what I want for you. And that's what God wants for you. Teleos. He wants you perfect. He wants you mature in Christ. He says, to this end I labour. That's what he does. This end I labour. Colossians chapter 2, he says this, So then, just as you received Christ as Lord, okay, the saplings, continue to live in him, rooted, built up. He wants you to grow. Strengthened in the faith, as you were taught. Overflowing with thankfulness. Do you get the sense God wants you to grow? Do you get that sense of what Paul wants for you? Do you get the sense that's what... And it's what Jesus wants for you. Listen to this. Jesus says this, Be Perfect, as your heavenly Father is perfect. That's what Jesus says. Be perfect. That's what he wants for you. And that, again, that's that word teleos. Be complete. Be mature. Be grown. That's what 
God wants for you. It's the father wanting to nurture his family and wanting to nurture you. You know, when it says, when, when I say God wants you to grow, it's not like, come on, grow, I'm fed up with you. It's not that. It's more like, like you, if you're a father, I, I love to see you develop. And I will do everything for you to develop. I, I encourage my children to read. I encourage my children, and Helen encourages them to do their homework. It's good fun, they encouraging them to do their homework, isn't it, Helen? If you did it on a Friday, you wouldn't be doing it on a Sunday evening, would you? It's about time you learned your lesson. Encouraging them to grow. It's for their good, isn't it? We want them to eat their greens. You will eat that sprout. It will do you good. You cook them good food as best you can. You try and get them to bed at night, don't you? Try and get them to brush their teeth so they don't rot away. Try and get them to eat a reasonably healthy diet. Get some fruit in there and so on. Why? Because you want them to be nurtured. And it's true of God. He wants you to be nurtured. He wants you to grow because of his love for you, his heart for you, his desire for you. And remember, it's not just his passion for you. He's passionate about his own glory. And you represent him. So he wants you to grow because you are his ambassadors. And you can imagine the ambassador from, who's the new Prime Minister nowadays? Which one is it? I don't know. <laughs> the Cameroon Cleggian Prime Ministerial Ship. Their ambassador, no, I do know which one, obviously. You know, um, you know turning up in you know, scruffy, can of, can of Stella Artois, the finest beer, um, you know, going off as, their, as the ambassador. No, you represent, and likewise, you represent God. So that's another reason why he wants you to be nurtured. So he wants you to grow. So my third point is this, feed and weed. In your notes that you've got this morning, it will say something like this. A bit more wordy, feed growth makers and starve growth takers. I thought feed and weed sort of summed it up maybe a bit better. Um, we need to feed good things, and we need to starve good things. I am told by experts that habits take six weeks to form. Okay? You do something for six weeks, you'll find it hard to stop. If you stop something for six weeks, you've pretty much broken a habit. That's that, and, that, and it's going to be hard for six weeks. It's going to be tough. If you, if you are used to living on you know, six cans of Coke a day full sugar, the best, six cans of Coke a day, you're going to find it hard to stop. It's going to take you a little bit of time to get over that, and then, then you'll get over it. I remember when I gave up smoking. It took me a long time. I became a Christian. I was growing. You know, I, I loved Jesus. I loved the church. But I, I had this habit. It was not good for me. It was a waste of money. And it was not good for my, for, you know, for the, the life that God has given me. And it took me a year to have the courage to face it. And then what I did was I went away on a church, a church camp and I made sure I went with no cigarettes. Well, because I put myself in a, in a difficult position, so I couldn't do it. You see what I mean? If you put yourself in a difficult position so you can't do it, because you know, I know I'm weak, so I do, some, you know, I do something about it. So if you, if you struggle with alcohol, you know, then the thing to do is to clear your house out of it. 
to clear it out. Don't have, don't have a couple of bottles of wine in, you know, in the fridge or something. Clear it out so that you haven't got it there. And make yourself accountable to someone as well. It's going to take a bit of time to overcome habits. God wants you to feed and weed if you're going to grow. Our growth is not automatic. It can be stunted. In fact, one of the names in the book of Colossians, called Demas, Demas, he is one of the people that serves with Paul. Later on in 2 Thessalonians, it says, Demas, because he loved this world, has deserted me. That's bad news, isn't it? Our growth is not automatic. My growth, I, you, could, you could say I'm equivalent to Demas, right? I serve God, I'm, I work for this church, I serve with Paul, and, and, and I would hate personally, you know, I would hate to fall away from Jesus. But my growth is not automatic, nor is your growth automatic. It can be stunted. We grow best as we learn to cooperate with God and his will. To grow, we must feed good practices, weed out unhealthy, unhelpful approaches in life, thought patterns. We must weed them out, recognise them, deal with them, repent of them. Metanoia, repent. Change your way of thinking. Your, your, body, is, you know, your body is probably still going to want these things. It takes a bit of time, but repent of things. So, Let's look at some ways. That, basically, I'm going to go through Paul's prayer. And it's in, your, it's in your notes. You'll notice I've put there growth makers and growth takers. Depending on time, which I haven't got a lot of, I'm going to touch a few of these. And we're going to look at Paul's prayer, things that he does and wants for them to create growth. And obviously, the opposite of those things are growth takers or weeds. I'm going to touch six things, possibly. See on time. Prayer. Knowing God's will. Doing God's will. Knowing God. God's power. Or being filled with the Spirit. And thanksgiving. Those kind of areas. They are growth makers. They are feeders. They are fertilisers. Whereas if you, if, you, if, you, if you ignore them, or if you um, do the opposite of them, they will stunt your growth. So my first one is this, prayer. It's obvious. Paul, if, read through this chapter and just see how much Paul talks about prayer. I'm not going to really focus on it today because in about four or five weeks, um, there's going to be one on prayer. Later on in Colossians, Paul says, devote yourself to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And we're going to really talk about prayer on that, on that occasion. But today, I just want to say, generally speaking, prayer is a growth maker. If you want to grow, Pray. If you don't know what to pray, read this prayer here and pray it. <laughs> what, I've, what I've enjoyed doing as I've been pre- preparing for this is pr- just praying through this prayer. Just praying it for myself. And if you don't know what to pray, there's a good prayer for you there. Prayer is a growth maker. If you want to do the best for yourself, if you want the best for your friends, your family, your church, your nation then include God by prayer. I'm sure you prayed much during the general election. Let's carry on praying for our government. We can be cynical about politics and government. Please don't be. Remember, the Apostle Paul had terrible government in his day. 
Just a little bit later, Nero was burning Christians. But what does he say? Pray for, ki- for, those, for kings and for those in authority. Respect government. So we need to be praying. Good citizens. Examples of those around, to those around us. So be praying for our nation. Are you worried? Are you sick? Are you lacking? Are you disappointed? Are you full of joy? Pray in all things. Pray every day. Pray about all things. Pray about life decisions. Please do that. Where to live, who to court, that means go out with, marry, jobs, career, where to serve, how to give, all those things, pray about them. So pray. If you, want to, if you want to grow and if you want the church to grow, if you want this nation to be blessed, pray. So important. God is, God is awesome, you know. He's God, God is the answer. Our strategies, God will give us strategies as we pray. So we must have strategies. Paul, will, on that vision um, morning, you know, we, we, you know, Paul will be talking about vision for the church. But that vision is birthed out of prayer. It's birthed out of desiring God to lead us. You know, or, or we do do stuff, but we pray a lot about it as well. So please do that. Knowledge of God's will. He prays, doesn't he? I have not stopped praying for you, asking God to fill you with knowledge of his will. Knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Fill you with knowledge of his will. And if you're going to live a life, and if I'm going to live a life that pleases God, we need to know his will and do his will. That word there, knowledge, is the word epignosis. Epignosis. Now, that's a different, that's not just like knowing two times two is four. No, two times two is four. <laughs> Maths isn't my high point, particularly when you're standing on a stage. Knowledge, epignosis of God's will is, is, is something, it's to do with ownership. Ownership of someone's will. Now, if somebody says, I'd really love us to do this, you could stand there saying, well, I'll, you know, we'll see how it turns out. We'll see how it goes. I'll buy in if it's successful. That is not epignosis. Understand? That's not knowing the will. To know someone's will, or to know God's will, is to know it. It's it's for me. I'm owning it. You know? That's the sort of thing we want. We want that for you in this church. We want you to own the will of God for us as a church. We as elders pray that God would lead us as a church. And you give us feedback oftentimes about lots of things. You are, you are very, you know, we, we will receive prophecies from you, thoughts from you. Now, sometimes we don't always get back, to, we do think about things, don't get me wrong. And we will pray about things. And prophecy shapes us. Your feedback shapes us. But as we, Paul, as, as he leads the church, myself and, 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 and the other leaders, as we seek to lead you, 
We seek to lead you in God's will. And what we would love you to do is to own God's will. Okay, own God's will. Now, don't get me wrong, you can feedback, you can talk to us about it, but that's what it means by, I want you to know, to be filled with knowledge of God's will, is to own God's will. So, the way you respond to that, that I, don't, I don't want to be um, manipulative, please, if I am, forgive me. That's what, it's always one of the dangers of all of us, isn't it? But what, earlier, someone said, we believe prayer changes things, come to the prayer meeting. Okay? Some of you never come to the prayer meeting. And I appreciate that. You may have really difficult family lives. You may have, you, you may have to work to earn your money, you know, to, 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 for your living. Don't get me wrong. There are very good reasons why you might not do things. But some of you are not epignosis, the idea of prayer. You say, know it. Do you know prayer changes things? Do do you know it? Do I know it? And that's what Paul wants for you. Paul wants it for the Colossians. God wants it for us, that we are filled with knowledge of his will. God's general will in scripture is true for all of us. So God's general will in scripture is things like this. Children, honour your parents. God's general will in scripture. You work hard, I work hard at honouring our parents. God's will for all of us is that if we are well and able, we work really hard to earn our living and give generously. That's God's will for everyone. But you might pray about your own particular career, mightn't you? You might say, well, I, I don't know. Do I want to be a nurse? Do I want to be a school teacher? Do I want to work in government? Do I want to work in media and creative arts? Do I want to be an artist? Musician? There's many, many op- options within God's general will, his specific will. So, Paul, God wants you to know his specific will. And we, we do that as we pray and seek him. And I just want to say that God has a will for you. He has a will for you. Yeah? You are his workmanship created for his works. So if you think, oh, it doesn't, God doesn't have a will for me, your father has a will for you. Your father invited you in the family. He wants you, he loves you, and he has a purpose for you. And I'll finish with this. Knowing God's will, and I know you might think it's the same, but it's not. Doing God's will. It's not the same, is it? Um, I meet Christians who know an awful lot. Some of them just, I'm so intimidated. I read a book a week. I read about, I've read this, I've read that. I've been to this conference, I've been here and I've been there. And I'm not knocking that at all. I think, man, it's great. If you've got the ability to do that, it's great. But let us make sure that all of us match what we know with what we do. Because he says, 
if, 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 if you read through this, we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord. Okay? That, that's where it needs to go. In order that. It doesn't stay in the head. It moves out into, into life. And that is where it takes courage sometimes. Because I believe in the gospel, right? I believe that Jesus is the answer to people's lives. But you know what? I'm really scared when it comes to sharing my faith. I'm, I'm scared about it. I'm worried about it. I, I think, I'm nervous about this. Now, do you feel nervous about sharing your faith? Do you? Any of you, any of you feel nervous about sharing your faith? Yeah? You, you're with someone, a friend, and you're like, Phew. they're talking about something, I don't know, whatever it might be. And you're like, oh, I'd really love to talk to you about Jesus. And you're like inside that internal doing God's will. All right? Doing what you know. And it's so important that we do God's will. So God wants you to grow. There's many others in your, in your notes, growth makers, growth takers, feeders, weeds, as it were. But God has a will for you guys. He wants you to grow. He wants you to mature. He wants you satisfied in him. But not only that, he wants you, God has given you a heart and passions. And God wants you to be fulfilled in the way you serve him as well. In a sense of, I, I have got ministry that I'm doing for Jesus, that I am fulfilling for him, and a sense of fulfilment in that. And he has a plan for you. He has a will for you. And he wants you to grow, develop, and mature from that tiny I thank God for what he's doing. He now wants you to move on and move on. You may be a new Christian here this morning. You may be a non-Christian here this morning. But God wants you to grow. To know him, to develop, to mature, to get stronger, and to bear fruit. Stand together. Alid, if you could come up, please.